We are going through the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, one verse at a time. We are up to verse 8. Just finished up the Sermon on the Mount. Took a little while, but uh, we got through it. Uh, Now we're verse 8. Jesus had just finished speaking these words, these incredible words. And he starts to come off the mountain. Let's read what happens. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. Why? Well, for a couple of reasons. One, his teachings were pretty amazing. Uh, but that really wasn't the main driver. The main driver was because of the miracles that he was doing. This was a big deal. Remember, before the Sermon on the Mount, he started doing all these miracles, healing people all over the place. Word was spreading far and wide. They were following him by the tens of thousands. This was a big deal. You can imagine. I mean, if we all heard about somebody that you get around the sky and every sickness and aches and pain you got is gone, ah, sign me up, man. I want to go hang out there. You know what I'm saying? So it was a, it was a very impressive. So these... Large crowds of people followed Jesus. And then a man with leprosy came. Obviously, he had heard about what Jesus was doing. And he knelt before Jesus and he said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man, which is amazing because they just, nobody would touch these people. They were supposed to yell, unclean, unclean. They were supposed to warn people that everyone would stay away from him. Here this man with leprosy kneels before Jesus. He reaches out and touches him. And he said, I am willing. Be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. If there's one thing you have to understand if you're going to be a successful Christian. Is that Jesus is willing to bless your life. God is willing to make a difference in you. It's amazing how many people think, well, they're not sure if God is willing. I don't know if God really cares. Yes, he cares. Amazingly, he really, 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 really loves you. I have no idea why, but he does. He does. I wouldn't love me if I was him, because I know me. I'm obnoxious, but he loves everybody. And Jesus was constantly going around and telling people, pray, ask God, see what he'll do. He'll do it for you. He'll do it for you. He was always egging on people. God is willing. You never have to wonder, does God care about my situation? He does, straight up. You never have to wonder, is he willing and wanting to answer my prayers and turn my circumstances around? Yes, he is, without doubt. I said, well then, Pastor, why is it I'm having a hard time getting an answer to my prayers? All right, well, I want to talk just a little bit about that this morning. I want to look at some of the reasons people don't get answers to prayer, aside from the fact that most people don't pray. We freak, we cry, we bellyache, we moan, we wail. We get everybody to feel sorry for us, but we can't really pray. But assuming you're actually praying, let's look at some of the reasons why things may not be changing in your life. The first reason, obviously, is unbelief. A lot of times people just have lack of faith. They do not believe. You say, Pastor, I have a hard time with faith. How do I increase my faith? Well, the Bible's very clear. It says, faith comes by hearing the word of God It comes from the word of God. The more you get the word of God in you, the greater your faith will be. There's something about getting that in your head translates into spiritual energy. It's like eating food. Um, You know, we eat, it goes in our stomachs, everything, and somehow we get all this energy, and we have all this energy to run around. I don't know why it does what it does. I mean, I've heard the classes and stuff too, but I... I don't get it. I don't have to get it. All I know, eat energy. (laughs) Praise God. That's why I got so much energy. I eat too much. 
I mean, the reality, you quit eating, you're going to have some energy problems. You're not going to have the strength. And, ah, okay? I don't know why it works. It just does. You eat, you get the energy. The same is true in faith. You get spiritual energy by getting God's truth into you. Now, many of you come on Sundays, which is good. Some of you come, depending on the weather, which is not so good. Some of you come twice a year, whether you need it or not. But uh, you're not going to get much faith in you. By being so casual about getting the word of God in you. That's why you should read the Bible. Read it. Shall don't understand it. You don't have to understand everything. Just get in the New Testament. Don't start reading the Old Testament. Get in the New Testament. Read the Gospels. Get these, some of these words in you. Something happens when you take it and you just read some of it. And you don't have to read tons of it at once. Just every day a little bit of something. Let it get inside of you. It starts to change. And you start getting spiritual energy. You start having faith. Having a Bible without reading it does you no good. It is not a magic talisman. Having a Bible doesn't keep demons away. Doesn't do anything. Putting a Bible on the dash of your car will not keep you from smashing into a tree. Putting a Bible under your pillow when you sleep will only give you a stiff neck. You've got to read it. It doesn't ward off devils. Chances are the devil's at your house right now sitting on your Bible. Waiting for you to come home. You probably figure it's safe there because that book never gets moved. It can do you any good. Jack squat. There is no magic talisman power in a Bible. You have to read it. You have to get it in you and make it a part of your life. That's why we teach the Bible here. That's why we teach it to your children. That's why. But it needs to go beyond that. You want them to be strong spiritually. You want your life to be strong spiritually. You want to have a successful Christian life. You have to do it on purpose. Everybody say on purpose. On purpose. You got, it just doesn't happen automatically. I don't care how holy your grandma was. I don't care how holy your mama and papa was. Don't mean jack squat to you if you don't do something about it. You gotta get it in you. And you do it on purpose. Everybody say, on purpose. Just hanging around holy people isn't gonna do it for you. You gotta do something about it. The reason why some many people just struggle in their Christian lives, they don't do anything. You have to pray, you have to get the scriptures in, you have to be intentional about it. Now, if you don't need God in your life, You don't have any physical needs in your life. You got more money than you know what to do with, which I'm sure is the case for most of you. You don't need it. Well, then do whatever you want. But you want God to move in your life, you've got to get some faith in you. And you got to do it on purpose. You want God to show up, change things. You need to be full of faith. So unbelief is the number one reason. Another reason sometimes things happen is, quite frankly, for the glory of God. Let me explain that to you. Sometimes the disciples would come along with Jesus. They'd see someone in a terrible situation. They'd say to him, wow, why why is this guy in this horrible situation? He'd say, well, this is for the glory of God. He'd go over and heal the guy. And boom. You know, it's like when Jesus' friend Lazarus gets sick. And Jesus doesn't go. He waits for a few days because he wants him to die first. There's a friend. As he did yet? Okay, let's go see him. Well, that's really what happened. So he shows up, and when he gets there, 
His sisters are ticked off at him. Where were you? Why didn't you come? If you would have come, he wouldn't have gotten sick. He wouldn't have died. Jesus comes and says, roll back the stone. He says, oh Lord, he stinks. Three days, three days he's been dead. Jesus said, roll back the stone. And in front of everybody, Jesus looks into that tomb and says, Lazarus, come forth. And this dead guy sits up and comes hopping out of it. Man, oh man, if I'd have been there, I, I think I'd have passed out. So I have been to some funerals. Somebody starts sitting up, I'm out of here. You know what I'm saying? I was like, ah, I mean, good Lord. Somebody starts knocking on the inside, I'm a little concerned. But Jesus does this miracle, it blows every. Can you imagine? We read about these things, we just. Can you imagine being there and seeing this? It's like, holy cow! This was amazing what he did. The miracles that Jesus did, it's just stunning. But he died for the glory of God. The good news is Jesus raised him from the dead. The bad news is he had to be dead first. Don't get upset when you need a miracle in your life. God has not forsaken you. You have to understand, God meets needs. God answers prayers. God does miracles to meet needs in your life. He doesn't just do stuff to, you know, he's not a Vegas act. Didn't come and see Jesus just start floating things around like a Jedi Knight. Why does he do that? It'd be pretty impressive, wouldn't it? You come to church, all of a sudden stuff starts floating around and ooh, look at that. He could do that. Why doesn't he do it? He's just not a, he's not a magician. He's there to help people. He meets needs. If suddenly you have a need for a miracle, do not lose heart. You can't get a miracle if you don't need a miracle. Everybody wants a miracle, and then we get mad when we need a miracle. Sometimes these happen because God is going to do something cool in your life. Another reason sometimes we get tested, our faith gets tested. I don't like getting tests. I hate tests. I hated tests in school. <laughs> I just I don't like them. But sometimes God tests your faith. Sometimes he really sees what you're made out of. You know, if you're going to get to pure gold, you can't do it without fire. You stick the gold in and they burn it really, really hot and they burn away all the impurities. And finally, what's left is pure gold. The Bible uses that analogy about our faith. You can't get gold, pure gold faith in your heart without going through the fire. Sometimes God will stick you in the oven and test you. Don't lose heart. These are temporary tests. Stand in faith. You know, I take this stuff seriously. I, got, I tell you, I'm to the point, I'm very nervous when I start preaching something. Because it seems like whenever I preach something, the Lord puts me to the test. I say, all right, Mr. Smarty Pants, let's see how you do with that. Like, oh. Last time I preached on faith, we were starting this great series about faith. All of a sudden, my wife gets cancer. I get to live this out with all y'all. It is a test. It is difficult. It is Now, it would have been great just an instant miracle. I would have much preferred that. I'm sure she would have much preferred that. But for some reason, it, we just went through the thing, and it just really sees what you're made out of. Burns away all the ickiness in your life, and you start to really understand what is real and what is true and what is valuable. It's the testing of your faith. Nobody likes it. I don't like it. Okay? But we all go through these tests. Um, 
The next one is kind of an odd one, but I, just, I gotta throw it out. It's just because it is what it is. There's an inevitability of life, and the, inevit- and the inevitability of life is death. Everybody dies. Everybody dies. I know people sometimes just freak out when people come to the end of their life and they die and they come unglued. And it's like, hello. You know, will you pray for my granny? She's really, really sick. Oh, sure. How old is she? 106. I'll pray for your granny. Maybe she'll live to 110. But at some point, we all go. I got bad news for y'all this morning. Y'all gonna die. All y'all. Nobody gets out of this alive, okay? So don't freak out. I'm stunned by people. And I'm saying this, I'm not trying to be mean. Some of you might struggle with this, but people who lose an aged mom or something, they just come unglued like God forsake. Look, we all, I don't know what you're thinking. Nobody sticks around forever. I would like to. I hope I stick around for a long time. I hope I'm irritating your great-grandchildren someday. (laughs) But we don't know that. Just so don't freak out. But one of the biggest reasons we have hindrances to our prayers, and this one you've got to be careful with, but I need to talk about none of those. It's just because of sin. Sin in your life will hinder God in your life. It is what it is. It's why Jesus died on the cross to wash us from sin. That's why the Bible says if you sin, confess your sins to God. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's why we have communion every Sunday. Some people say, why do you guys have communion every Sunday? You Lutherans, Catholics? No, just believe in it. It's a time of examining your heart. Where am I at? Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Is there something I heard today that I, oh man, I guess I need to straighten this out. Ask God to forgive you. Think back. Wow, you know, how have you behaved for the last week? Make things right with God. Keep short accounts with God. Don't be letting stuff build up inside of you. Now, we're getting ready to start up our life groups again. This is when we all gather together in homes and stuff around the community and get a chance to share faith and talk about the Bible more on a one-to-one thing. Most of you don't belong to any of them. You know, because you're too busy. My answer to that is, you're too busy. Slow down a little bit. You want to be intentional. You want to have a great life. You want to have success. You want to grow in your faith. You want to see God do things in your life. You do it on purpose. Everybody say on purpose that's why you should be part of a life group why you should come to church regularly why you should do these things I promise you people who do these things these are the ones some of you all envy man everything works for that guy it's great they're happy their marriage is good their kids don't seem to be possessed of the devil everything seems to be good you know they don't have the financial problem but my life it just sucks it just sucks everywhere I go I hear this huge sucking sound I don't know why why does I got well do you do any of these things no Hello? On purpose, people. Anyway, like I'm going to change your minds, you won't, still won't come, you little sinners. <laughs> but for those of you who do, we're going to be reading First Peter. And we're, we're into it, and uh, this is Peter the Apostle. He writes this letter to the church, and we're going through it. One of the things, he gets to this part between husbands and wives. You know how we all drive each other crazy. And, uh, and he basically says this, is you need to get along, because if you don't get along... It will hinder your prayers. Oh, well, that's a drag. Why? Because there's times we don't get along. Anybody notice this? He put me in the redhead. Boy, we got some moments. You know, you just got to calm down. Because I need God answering my prayers. I need to get along with the lady. Somebody say amen. 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 
here. I'm so mad. I said, just calm down. Unless you don't need God. That's the problem. Maybe, past, maybe people don't need God. Maybe it's just you and me. We're such messes. We need God. I'll tell God I need it big time. Just not getting along with your spouse will hinder God's hand in your life. You need to get along with some of you guys. We've talked about this a hundred times. We'll keep talking about it. Jesus keeps talking about it. Forgiveness. Some of y'all are so bitter and angry at people in your past. And you wonder why your life is so miserable. You still hate people who done you wrong 30 years ago. You're still mad about it. Some of you still so mad at an ex-wife, ex-husband, you can't hardly talk. Well, I'm going to share a flash. All right. They get mad at me. I have to yell at me about it. Oh, I'm not going to forgive my wife. She's a dirty flashing silent flashing. <laughs> All right. Do what you want. But then don't go crying to me when your life is a disaster. You know, sometimes God lets stuff happen in your life to get your attention. You ever notice that? God loves you enough to make you miserable. At some point, you got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. You hearing me? I'll talk to those people. Y'all hear me over there at Stevens Point? <laughs> Appleton? you got, you got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Say, man, I want to get my life right. Quit hating people and mad. Just let it go. It's going to kill you. Look, we'll love you if you're having problems with forgiveness. You know, we'll, we'll have your early funeral. You know, it'll be great. Pastor Lathan will be there reading scriptures. I'll preach. Ross will sing. We'll try and get Debbie to dance or something. You know, it's good. <laughs> we'll have a nice funeral. We'll all cry for you, you know. But how about you not die from early death because you're so bitter and angry? Stop. Then you got the major. You know, those are the minor things that mess up your prayer life. Then we got people who have major. We're talking like the top ten, you know. Lying, cheating, adultery. Seriously? Stop. This is killing people. In the United States of America, we've lost our ever-loving minds. There is no morality anymore. People do whatever they want. They don't think anything of it. They don't even hide it anymore. It's amazing how often I talk to people. We get emails from people all over the world asking my advice and how to help their lives and One of the first questions I always ask them. Are you having sex with anybody you're not married to? That's how often they look at me like, what? Just answer the question, yes or no. Well, yeah. Really? My next question is, are you a Christian? Because some people are not Christians. They like listening to me because I'm funny. (laughs) They're not all Christians. I get them. They say, no, I'm not a Christian. Okay, I cut them some slack. But most of them are Christians. And what's interesting, when I ask them, I say, are you having sex with somebody? I say, well, yeah. Are you Christian? Oh, yeah. We really love Jesus. We're worship leaders in our church. We're elders in our congregation. I'm a pastor. Hallelujah. And you're doing what? You're committing adultery with somebody? It's like people have lost their minds. And they wonder why, I'm telling you, the number one thing that is poisoning the Christian faith today is sexual sin. It is killing us. It's killing you young people. You guys need to pay attention. Don't get into all this nonsense. 
Say, well, I want to have sex. Well, fall in love with somebody, get married. You have sex with your eyeballs pop out. <laughs> I'm not sure how much that is, but that's that's gotta be allowed when your eye you know, that's that's a lot right there. And just do it right. Do all this stupid stuff, sleeping with your boyfriend, your girlfriends and stuff, and wondering why God isn't answering your prayers. Come on. Stop it. People have no connection. I've had people sit in my office, you know, literally committing adultery. Committing adultery. Sleeping with some other guy's husband. Some other guy's husband. That'd be a different group. <laughs> we got that going on too, man. That's that's really makes it bad. Some other woman's husband. Oh, dear Jesus. And, so they, and, and, uh, and I know it. And they tell me. And, and then they, they well, why isn't God answering my prayers? <sighs> what? I had a guy in my office. He's praying, man. You, you talk about faith. Huh? We're trying to trust God to bless us financially. We're struggling financially and everything. <clears throat> I just started asking questions. Turns out the guy is up to his eyeballs in porn. Looks at it all the time. Looks at it at work. I haven't talked to him in years. He probably got fired, got caught. Just out of control. I remember what Jesus had just said. He said, if you just look at a woman and start filling in the blanks in your head, you're committing adultery. Knock it off. Well, good Lord, just looking at someone and fantasizing in your head, why does it look at some screen where there is nothing being filled? It's all right there for you. Just letting that poison push say, well, you, do you hate me? I don't hate you, but you want God to bless your life. Apparently, you don't need that. Those of us who do, stop that stuff. It is poison. Why isn't God answering my prayer? I don't know, maybe because of what you're doing. But there's no connection in people's heads. You talk to people, and they stare at you like a dog at a new dish. <laughs> I know, I, I do it all the time. I just... One couple, you know, they were just living together, living in sin. They knew it was wrong. And they really knew it. Raised Pentecostals. Living in sin. Coming to church. They were glad. I'm glad it came. Look, I'm glad you're here at all. And they came to me, wanted an appointment, come in and said, you know, Pastor, you say God will answer your prayers and God will do this and God will do that. And, well, we got this horrible thing. We got this terrible thing. And I can't keep a job. And she's got all these weird sicknesses. The doctors can't find out what's wrong. I, well, why doesn't God answer our prayers? And I looked at him and said, you're, you're sleeping together. And they laughed. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. We thought you'd probably say that. But, but really, why? <laughs> so, I'm not making this up. It's like no connection between what they do and what they get from God. You're sleeping with each other. Stop. Well, the problem is they're sleeping. They weren't sleeping. That's our problem. <laughs> Good Lord. I don't hate these people. I don't hate anybody that does this stuff. But it's, you want God to bless your life? You can't just do blatant things and expect God to bless your life. And this has gotten out of control. Let's do the right things. Okay? There's a reason. God will give you a way to satisfy all the needs of your life. Just do it the right way. Man, I'm just getting mad at people. So I don't know what people think with this other stuff. 
Anyway, then Jesus says to this guy who just heals, he says, well, see that you don't tell anybody. Go show yourself to the priest. Offer the gift Moses as a testimony to him, as to them. He goes out there and he does this. Because most people he told, don't tell. They told anyway. So the word spread even more. Then we read, it says, where Jesus, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him. Now, this centurion is a Roman soldier. The, the Jews at this time were under occupation. Uh, they were under the thumb of Rome. You didn't mess with the Romans. They were brutal. You know, these were the guys who came up with the whole crucifixion concept in the first place. They'd come and surround a town and starve it out. And as people escaped trying to find food, they'd grab and crucify them. When they took over Jerusalem, eventually, they, historically, they say they ran out of wood. They crucified so many people around the city. And these guys were brutal, brutal people. So the soldier comes, a centurion comes to him. And he says, Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Apparently he's a nice guy, this guy. It wasn't his son at home, wasn't his daughter, wasn't a friend. He's a servant. But he's in a lot of pain. He heard about what Jesus could do. And Jesus looked at him and said, shall I come and heal him? And he said, Lord, I, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Just, just say the word and my servant will be healed. Now I was raised in a church that they taught us to pray this in a version of prayer. Lord, I'm not worthy that you come into my uh, life, but uh, you know, speak with the word and my soul shall be healed. It was never designed to be a prayer. We're trying to encourage people to ask people in their lives. Other churches are getting people to pray that he doesn't come into their life. You know, save me from long distance. I mean, it's a bizarre thing. That wasn't the intent of that. That's not a prayer. He's merely being respectful to Jesus. He realizes who Jesus is. You don't need to come in to my house. He said, just speak the word. And then he says this. He says, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, boom, he goes. I tell that one, come, boom, he comes. I tell my servant, servant, jump. He says, how high? He's a man of authority. All I got to do is speak and they do it. That's what I'm asking you to do. And Jesus, when he heard this, was amazed, the Bible says. And turn to those following him. Truly I say to you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. What great faith? Because he said, I'm not worthy that you come. No, it wasn't about that. It's the fact that he said, listen, I understand authority. I know what it is to say stuff and stuff happens. Because I am a man of authority. As a centurion in the Roman army, I got some say. When I say jump, people say how high. He says, I know all you got to do is say it and it'll happen. Whoa. Here is a guy who gets it. It's the power of the word of God. When God says stuff, things happen. When you start loosing the word of God into your life, it will start changing things. So how do I get God to say stuff? How do I get God to say stuff? Look at the Bible. That's why you read the Bible. You get God's words into you. And you can speak those things out. And when you speak God's word, things happen. But you can't speak it if you don't know it. And you don't know it because you don't read it. And I can't, I can yell at you all day long. It won't make any difference. You got to do it. You start speaking. That's when Jesus said, you can look at the mountain and say, hey, get out of the way. And that mountain will move. Because you have the word of God in you. And when the word of God speaks, things happen. The power of Christianity is not in our churches. Not in our symbolisms. Not in our incredibly handsome pastors. It is, it is the word of God. That's where the power comes from.
But people, they, they can't grasp it. They won't grasp it. There's got to be a thing. If it can be a thing, they'll grab it. If I would announce this last week in the newspaper that we had a piece of the cross, it is actually a scientific absolute certainty that this was a piece of the cross that Jesus died on. And every expert in the world says, yes, that is for sure. There's no question. That is a piece of the cross that Jesus died on. And I announced that we were having that cross on display here. This place would be so packed out today, you could not get people in. It would take days 24 hours, people coming in and out to look at that thing. They would come by the God because they think that the power of God is in a thing. It's a thing. If I can just touch this, this, this thing, this is where I'll get my miracle. And everybody's looking for their little talismans and their little holy pieces of something that some saint touched or something else. And they're all running around trying to... That's not where the power of comes. I don't care if the literal physical cross Jesus died on was here this morning. That is not where the power of God comes from. It comes from Him. His word, His power in your life. I promise you, you get that, it'll change your life. Most people, however, don't get it. Jesus said this, the very next words, He says, I say to you, that many will come, He's talking about judgment day, many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. People from all over the world. But the subjects of the kingdom, the people who should know better, the people who should understand faith, the people who understand the things of God, many of them will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. Again, Jesus says this a lot. And it should put a little bit of fear of the God in all of us. He just finished saying, remember on the Sermon on the Mount, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will get into the kingdom of heaven. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many go that way. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Few there be that find it. He said, here I am in the midst of all these people. Raised in righteousness and in the scriptures their whole lives. And it's the centurion who gets it. He understands it. It is time that we get this in us. It's great that you come to church. But church will not save you. Church will not turn your life around. It's great that you hear what I say, but just what I say will not turn. You've got to get this in you. You have to understand the power of God comes from him and it comes from his word and his promises. And if you will be intentional and do it on purpose, it will change your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your kindness, your grace. Help us to grasp this, Lord. Open our eyes. You often spoke, and then after you finished, you said, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear, because you know most, so many people just, no matter what you say, just don't, can't quite hear it. You've got to make this stuff clear. Open our eyes. Help us to look out for the things that are destructive in our lives. Help us to be intentional. Help us to do life intentionally so that we can walk in blessings, success, and with the favor of God on us and change the world in which we live. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. I didn't finish this last verse. It says, And then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And the Bible says, And his servant was healed at that moment. God bless you.